Hello, everyone, and welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Justin Scase, editor of the EHS Daily Advisor and Safety Decisions magazine. Managing the use and abuse of drugs in the workplace is getting trickier by the day. Between a national wave of marijuana legalization and an opioid epidemic, EHS pros nationwide have their hands full, staying in line with both federal and local laws while also keeping their workplaces safe and incident-free. It can be tough to know what sorts of policies are best for employers in the current environment, and it means that safety will be doing a lot of cooperation with human resources. It's a lot to consider, but our guest today is here to help. Joining us for today's episode of EHS on Tap is Nina M. French, Managing Partner for the Current Consulting Group. Nina has over 25 years of experience in employee screening and managing drug-free workplace operations in a wide variety of fields, with a consulting emphasis on helping companies streamline operations, define product portfolios, and align core business goals. She is widely published and speaks at over 40 events each year, from educational training sessions to webinars to large conferences. So Nina, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. Okay, so let's start by talking just a little bit about the current environment when it comes to drugs and testing. We've got marijuana legalization happening in some states, both medicinal and recreational, and the nation is in the midst of an opioid and prescription drug abuse epidemic. So Nina, what aspects of this environment should employers be most aware of? Well, I I tell you, in in 25 years, this is probably the single most active time for uh, drug testing, for drug use, and for employers to really have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now, uh, marijuana is legal in 30 states for medicinal purposes and in nine states for recreational purposes. And employers really have to understand the, the cost that's coming their way. And, and I really advocate being active participant in the legislation of your states because employers are going to bear the brunt of those costs through workers' compensation claims and, and legal claims. But, um, they're, you know, from the opioid perspective, you've got to keep an eye on what the Department of Transportation is doing. And with prescription drug use, what the Department of Transportation is doing, because it is going to help you as an employer when you're looking at safety, really have, you know, a ruler and a a bar um, from which you create all of your policies that adhere to your state laws. And, and so, you know, it is, it is probably most important for people to be aware of what that DOT is doing and then the trickle down into state laws, and then actively engaging with the state legislatures and understanding what's happening and what's happening to employer rights to test um, and safety in that workplace. So our audience is made up of environment, health, and safety professionals. So how does this drug environment specifically affect them and their efforts in the workplace? Uh, Really in many different ways. Um, the top things I can think about are, you know, last year in 2018, there was a lot of confusion about OSHA compliance, post-accident and post-accident testing right. um, with OSHA. Then, you know, 
people are concerned with what is our obligation as an employer to maintain a safe workplace. And there's risk involved in the, you know, ability to maintain a workplace, the ability to drug test, the ability to maintain safety, and yet these new laws and, uh, you know, legal marijuana coming about. So lots of confusion there. I think that people have to be very aware of the effects in, in their efforts. Um, signs and symptoms and documentation and testing, you know, I do this all day, every day, but mm-hmm. hopefully for your HR managers and your safety managers, they're not running into it daily, but they're probably running into it a lot more often than they did five years ago or 10 years ago. So they really have to be aware of like, what are the signs? What are the symptoms? How do we document? And then what are our testing options that best fit our workplace? Um, that's really important. I think the other thing is working with the HR safety teams together mm-hmm. about, you know, medical disclosure, what you can do, how it falls in between the lines of HIPAA, and then um, what your policy is, and then how it interplays with ADA and and the employment actions that you're taking. So it's a lot. Mm. Unfortunately, at the yeah. moment, there's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So let's say uh, an employer is in a state that has legalized the recreational use of marijuana. Now, does the employer still have the right to enforce a drug-free workplace? At the moment, uh-huh. there is, <laughs> and, and again, really changing daily almost, right. but at the moment, the, every employer has the right to have a drug-free workplace. Okay. The definition of drug-free workplace is varied, right? So it's, it's a little bit like saying, I'm going to have a, go buy a car. Uh-huh. Everybody's idea of what that car is going to look like is very different. But everybody does have the right to have a drug-free workplace. Um, you need to look. So in Maine, for instance, the law that was passed starts to limit an employer's right to test and discipline. And it was always a difficult state. Um, however, they're recognizing through the voicing of these employers saying, hold on, you know, I have to maintain a safe workplace. And now you've so limited me in these recreational and mar- um, legalized marijuana laws you're infringing on my right to maintain a, a drug-free workplace. And so they've actually now have a new legislation already under review to expand an employer's ability to test and discipline. So you've got to really keep on top of it because otherwise you're really in a rock and a hard place. Um, there's, you know, there's a lot of change. You've got to keep active on it. You've got to keep your policies up to date. But at the moment, you can still maintain a drug-free workplace anywhere in the country. Okay, great. So what are – you mentioned before, you know, the whole confusion over post-incident drug testing. So what are some things that EHS pros must consider when it comes to post-incident drug testing, perhaps after either an accident or a near miss? Well, this is – Again, a tricky area. I wish I had just really easy, fast yes or no answers for right. you, but I don't. Yeah. Um, the, the trick with drug testing in OSHA and post-accident is understand the law for the requirements for OSHA. And what OSHA said last year is, you know, it, you just can't be retaliatory. You cannot um, 
drug test everybody. You can't say, all right, if there's an accident or incident and it is $250 worth of property damage or over, we're going to test everybody involved. Okay. You can't say if somebody makes a worker's comp claim, then we're going to automatically do a post-incident drug test because my worker's comp claim may be carpal tunnels. And the reality is drug use is probably not involved in my claim for carpal tunnel. However, if you have someone driving a forklift Mm. and there is an accident, then as an employer, you can actually now test both the forklift driver who may have been under the influence of drugs and caused that person to run into the other employee. But you can also test the other employee Mm. who may have been involved in who, who may have been under the influence. And so he didn't see the forklift lift barreling towards him. Right. And so it really doesn't restrict you, but it cannot be a blanket, retali- you know, blanket policy that could be deemed retaliatory. I think the other piece of that is you've got to really look at your job descriptions and how are you defining safety sensitive? And in light of prescription drug use, that is very important. You know, do your job descriptions say that everyone in this position needs to be in a constant state of awareness? Right. When you say things like that, then you're opening your workplace into a broader opportunity to say, even if you're using prescription drugs, we may, you know, you can put in place a medical disclosure program and, and that's rather involved. We, we work on them fairly often at CCG, but, you know, that says this person is in a safety sensitive job and therefore even the use of prescription drugs, not abuse, but the use of prescription drugs is something we're concerned about. And that's again where the interplay with safety managers and HR becomes really critical. Because in those cases, the employee has a copy of their job description. It says that it's safety sensitive. They can go to their prescribing physician and say, hey, look, this is the job I do. Can I do it if I'm taking this prescription you're about to give me? Mm. And if the doctor says no, well, then they can discuss in their doctor-employee, doctor-patient relationship whether or not there's an alternate option for them. If there's not, then they can come back to their employer and really start that iterative process saying for, you know, six weeks, I'm going to be taking um, a job and I, a drug and I can't do my job functions. Is there an accommodation that can be made? And in, it really works out for the safety of everyone when you're doing things like that um, for post-accident. And it's working with the issue of, you know, that constant state of awareness is keeping at bay recreational drug use for marijuana. It's also addressing the prescription drug use and then abuse because then it becomes a policy violation. So if someone's in a safety sensitive job and they test positive for hydrocodone and they did not tell you, Mm. then it's a policy violation that they did not um, go through that process with their physician and they didn't have something that stated, you know, I'm taking a prescription drug, but I can safely perform my job. So there's a lot of protection still there. You just, you know, it is not just a straight, plain old policy anymore. It's gotten more complex. Okay. So 
We're talking about things like policy, disciplinary action, whether or not something could be considered retaliatory. So naturally, an issue like this is going to have a lot of overlap with safety and human resources. So how can EHS professionals most effectively work with their HR counterparts on these sorts of problems? Well, training, I think, is critical. I mean, training with, again, everybody has a full-time job, right? So training on what you can do, what your company policies are, what is the ADA? As a safety professional, as a supervisor on a floor, in a plant, in a, you know, a, a, a workstation, you need to understand what your company policies are, sort of how does the ADA come into play, things that you can and can't ask. HIPAA is, doesn't, you know, HIPAA doesn't apply to workplace drug testing, but it does apply to questions about medical issues, um, about drugs that you may be prescribed. And so training with that team, that frontline team is really critical. And we've seen cases in the past few years where the challenge is that the frontline person hiring mm-hmm. or, um, or, you know, involved in an accident situation says something that conflicts with the company policy. And that's where the trouble comes in from a legal perspective. Mm. You know, oh, it's okay. We're okay with you using marijuana outside of the workplace. Well, HR comes in and says, no, no, we were not. <laughs> um, and so they really have to be well-trained. They also have to understand some of the nuances of what a test can and can't show. So in the case of drug testing post-incident or accident, a lot of the laws talk about impairment. And the challenge, and why I say I think it's so critical right now, and this cost burden is so important for employers to be paying attention to, is marijuana is becoming legalized. And you know, my role is not to tell anybody pro or con because we know that about 65 to 70% of Americans are pro legalized marijuana in some way, shape or form. So it's not about are you, are you pro or con? But when you're involved in HR and safety, the important issue is that this is a little bit loose right now. And to say that's about the nicest way I could say it. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, we're seeing people say you can get a prescription for marijuana. But you can't because it's a Schedule One drug in the United States. So with the exception of dronabinol and Marinol that are, you know, FDA cleared drugs, you cannot get a prescription. You get a card. Right. And so that's a lot of gray area. Then there's this discussion of impairment. However, right now there is no drug test made that measures impairment mm. under for marijuana. So unlike alcohol, where you can say, okay, a 0.08 is the per se legal limit in our state. And so, you know, based on our requirements and our policy, this person was impaired or intoxicated. With marijuana, there's no drug test that shows that. Right. You don't know if I have a hundred nanograms of THC in my system because I just smoked it at lunch and then cause the accident. Or if I used it five days ago, a lot, and then stopped and the accident happened. This, so, so it's important to look at how are you testing? 
Are you using urine testing for all of your pre-employment testing? And it's giving you a great assessment of the candidate. But in post-accident testing, you want to, you know, you don't want to do hair testing because you're not going to pick up drugs for post-accident. So that's a firm no, because it takes about a week for the drugs to come into that hair shaft. Oh, okay. When you, when you're looking at urine testing, standard lab-based or even point of collection, you know, right there, those, those rapid response cups, when you're looking at those for an accident, it's okay, but consider that it's looking back for a longer window. So it doesn't get into your system for a few hours, marijuana specifically, but it will last for a look back of around five to seven days. Oral fluid testing, lab-based oral fluid testing is allowed in about 47, 48 states. There's some nuances to it, but that one has this super short window. And so it, it mirrors blood in that it can come into, it shows drugs within about an hour, but it only looks back for about 18 to 24 hours. And so as an employer looking at your risk and liability, that might be an option to look at for post-accident testing because that the challenges that we're expecting to come up because of this sort of loose use of the term impairment and now, you know, this this forging ahead with legal use of marijuana, even medicinally, mm-hmm. it is that kind of tightens it up. It's still not perfect, but it it really tightens up that window. And so upon challenge, I think at least you've got a better, um, you've got a smaller window of risk as well. All of them still work again without, with hair as the exception for post-accident, but they all still work. But you really have to kind of keep abreast of things like that, where in the past you could just really choose an option and move about the cabin. Now you might want to be looking at, you know, what works with us for post-employment versus pre-employment, post-accident, a reasonable suspicion. You might want to think about varying the tests that you're using um, for those those different um, opportunities in the workplace to do a drug test. Okay. Now, should safety professionals get involved in the pre-screening of employees when it comes to the drug issue, or is this a function that's best just left to HR alone? I I do think that the better involved safety is in defining the policies that the better the program is in actually meeting the needs for the longer term. And that's everything from like logistics. You know, if you're involved in an operation that is, you know, 365, 24-7, 365, then safety tends to be more involved with the logistics of, well, what am I going to do if I have an accident at three in the morning? Mm. Um, how am I going to get a breath alcohol test done within two hours? How am I going to get a urine test done? If I'm the only supervisor on site, am I, am I actually going to go with that person to an offsite testing facility? So um, I do think it's important, and that's part of that education process for safety to get involved. Just logistically speaking, I think it's important, but also really like, what are we trying to do here? And it goes back to your question a little bit ago about like a drug-free workplace. What kind of car <laughs> do we want in our, you know, what kind of car are we buying? 
And it's important for safety and HR and, and operations to really all work together to define really what the car is they want and then get it. And they can get it. It's just they, you know, that, that being involved in the beginning from safety, I think, tends to have a smoother program that actually meets the needs of the organization as a whole. Excellent. Excellent. So we've been talking about just a, a whole bunch of different challenges here uh, surrounding drug testing. So in all of your experience helping employers comply with various aspects of drug testing, what would you say are, well, how about the most difficult challenge surrounding this issue, especially when it comes to safety? Well, I mean, unfortunately, I think I've I've been able to say there's a lot of challenges yeah. um, right now. And, um, you know, I think compliance with a policy and having an up-to-date policy is, is pretty critical. And like I say, I'm always very sympathetic because this is what I do all day, every day. So I'm absolutely up on everything, but I'm not doing another job on top of it. And so really staying up on what is out there, what are the changing laws, what are the changing um, technologies is something that really falls into that, you know, important but not urgent category in the workplace. You know, it's important. You know, it's something that you should know and do. It's really forcing the discipline within your organization to find the time to make sure that quarterly you're looking at your policies, making sure they're working, you know, spending some time getting updates on laws, spending some time looking at the different technologies. I think that's really important. I do have concerns that some workers uh, or, or some employers are, are sort of saying, you know, with all of this stuff that's going on, we're okay with just not testing. Mm. And that's a trend we're seeing, um, especially when people are looking at like a retailer, right? And they're saying, well, we don't really have safety, right? Well, well, you do though. You have people removing pallets. You have people stocking shelves. You have people dealing with credit cards, um, dealing with personally, uh, personally identifying information that's, that's, um, for your customers. And that's, you know, from a, from an HR corporate standpoint, your brand is, is the most powerful thing you've got as an organization right now. And so now some people are saying, well, the, the job hiring market is so tough. Maybe we should stop testing for marijuana because we can't get any people in the positions. <laughs> My worry about that is you got to look at that from a longer term strategy. Right. You know, there's this huge opioid epidemic. You know that marijuana is impairing. Again, not should it be or shouldn't it be, but as a workplace, it costs about $7,000 extra per year to employ a substance abuser. You And that doesn't account for higher turnover rates. Substance users, gen, substance users have about three jobs a year on average compared to the, the non-substance abusing worker. You see like 35 to 50% higher workers compensation claims by substance users. So they're, you know, they're harder to manage. We were talking about just like the logistics of the day. 
Mm-hmm. You get more sick calls, you get more time off. And so I do think it's a new time for employers and safety managers to be thinking about overall, you know, do we offer um, counseling? Do we offer an employee assistance program? Do we have ways for our employees to get treatment and to get help? Do we have ways to make them successful, right? What people don't think about right now is when they come back, employers actually sponsoring follow-up testing programs for employees through an EAP or a substance abuse provider. Those employees are much, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I believe it's 70% more successful in long-term sobriety. Oh, wow. So it's a great investment as an employer to be looking at those because you've invested in training them. They've been a great worker right? until this problem affected them. And so, you know, can you have programs like that where you provide them this treatment model um, and bring them back into your workplace and save you those turnover costs and, you know, maintain someone who is otherwise a great employee? And then can you even offer those those types of, of benefits and programs to them, to, to their families as part of your healthcare program. Because again, you know, if I'm having a, a drug issue, a drug abuse issue it, in the workplace, it's one thing, but there is as much oftentimes outside of like the workers comp claim, right? As much impact if I'm dealing with a loved one mm-hmm. who has a substance abuse program. So it really is like relooking at everything in light of, um, medical marijuana and in light of uh, the the opioid epidemic and thinking about as a, a workplace, how do you not become the enemy, but how do you really work with these people um, and this environment to make it a better place overall? And I think there's really great opportunity in safety and HR to become those types of companies um, and, and really expand your um, employment Benefits and, and, and that doesn't mean it's a cost to the employer necessarily, but really to become that kind of workplace who is working to solve the problem. Right. Along with, you know, the rest of the United States and, and the rest of the world here. So I think there's a lot that can be done. Great. So a lot of challenges, a lot of opportunities too. Well, this has all been really excellent, Nina. It's a lot of great information for our listeners. We're looking forward to learning more during your upcoming webcast on drug testing and safety in the workplace. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Now, to our listeners, if your organization wants to stay ahead of the curve with all of your drug testing policies and initiatives, be sure to join Nina's live webcast sponsored by Orisure Technologies Safety, HR, and Drug Testing in the Era of Legal Marijuana and Prescription Drug Abuse, taking place on Thursday, April 12th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific. In addition to all of the valuable information this webcast offers, we have more good news. It's absolutely free. So for more details and to register online, click on the link appearing on this podcast episode's EHS Daily Advisor webpage. Thanks for listening. Until next time, this is Justin Scase for EHS on Tap.